0: Good morning. We have been in the Book of Romans for a while, and we uh, took a break during Christmas, came back at it. And so as we've gone through the Book of Romans, the first 11 chapters of Romans of. There's Paul coming through and talking to us about what this is all about, what Christianity is about, trying, and then he gets to chapters 9 through 11 and talks to, to the Jews and, and tries to help everybody understand how this is all supposed to work together, and then he gets into chapter 12, and in chapter 12 he's at this place where he starts to begin to talk about this new relationship. That the Jews and the Gentiles are coming together. That God is over all. It's not just the Jews. It's not just the Gentiles. But it's everybody under God. And so he's trying to. He's beginning to explain what this looks like, our relationship with God, but also our relationship with each other. And so as we go through chapter twelve and thirteen and fourteen and fifteen and sixteen, he's going to tell us how to do this. How this is supposed to look. You know, this last this last uh, I don't know a few weeks have been. Uh, just thinking about kind of just the Word of God. And this last week, I was in this study with a group of guys from around the country, and they were talking. We were talking about the Bible and the Bible, how the Bible is written um, from this this perspective of from an Eastern mindset, because it was written over across the sea, right? <laughs> but we get here in our Western mindset. In our Western mindset, we have this mindset of knowledge that we need to know and that we need to conquer. But it was written from this perspective of, of obedience that we need to follow it and actually do what it says. For us over here in America, we we read it, and we're like, yeah, I got it. Thanks. And we kind of know it. Well, what's the Greek word of that? The Greek word of that is what? Oh, then we kind of get this idea, and we, we have it up in our head. But it was written from this perspective that we need to actually do what it says and to obey it. It's not just a knowledge thing, and knowledge is good, but if knowledge doesn't lead to obedience, then it's Really not good at all, and so Paul's going to get go through this whole thing, <laughs> these next few chapters, and it's a lot of really good stuff. Next week is just a bunch of stuff thrown in your face, um, and it'll be good. <laughs> be here for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just like okay, I got the f- love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and that's like okay, I'll do the first thing. you like he gets to throw a whole bunch of stuff at you. But last week, uh, Paul, our uh, Paul. Paul well, it was actually Paul talking, but through Aaron last week, looking at the first two verses of, of Romans. And in those verses, it says this, um, and I'm not going to have it on the screen, just so if, for the month of January, we want you to open your Bible or get your little phone thing out and get your app out and, fi- and find where we're going to be. And so just before I get started, in case uh, you don't know where these things are, we're in the book of Romans uh, there's a pew Bible there. If you don't have one with you, um, I believe it's... I didn't get the page. I was going to do it, but I decided to let you do the work. What what page is Romans chapter 12 on? 9.47. So if you've never opened a Bible before, you're with us. It's on page 9.47. No, I'm going to... This is, this is crowd participation. So... Audience. So chapter verse 1, he says, I'm just going to go through it because it leads into what we're going to talk about today. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then verse 2 says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as I was reading through this again this week, and as I was sitting with these guys, and I was reading back over uh, this idea that present your bodies as living sacrifice. Now, if you have the NIV, it says, in the view of God' mercy. In the ESV, it says, by the mercies of God. But to present your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, uh, holy and pl- holy and acceptable to God, that whole concept, that whole idea is being obedient. That everything you have, everything that's within you, everything... That you would be obedient to, to God. And he say, he's Paul's saying, Whatever it is, whatever it takes, give yourself over to what I'm about to tell you. To live this out. Because this is what's important. If you don't live it, it's really not that good. You gotta live it. And so this is kind of where we're headed. And so verse verse this idea that he goes on in verse two, and he says, that do not conform to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewal of your mind. Now, this, is last, when, this last week we were going through this, and I was thinking about this, because it says the renewal of your mind, what's it do? By testing it, it discerns what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and pleasing. I was watching this, I saw this video on, on this last week, and I shared it on Facebook. With, but I wanted to show it to you, because this idea, this idea of it, when you're in the Word of God, what it does for you. Um, that when you're continually in the Word of God, what it does. And it's just, just a it's just study that's what's happened. So show, it's about two minutes. There was a recent
1: study by the Center for Bible Engagement where they pulled 40,000 uh, p- uh, general population in the U.S. from 8 to 80. And they just wanted to see how we are engaging with Scripture. Right. And they discovered something that actually became kind of the profound discovery of the entire study. They weren't even looking for this, and this is kind of became the highlight of the study. Right. Um, When we're in the scripture one time a week, and that could be church on Sunday. That's pastor saying you open your Bible. We hear the message. One time a week had negligible effect on some key areas of your life. So I'm going to spell that out more here in a moment. Two times a week negligible effect. Now at three times a week, there was a blip on the map, like there was a heartbeat. Something happened, again, a heartbeat. Okay. But here was a profound discovery. When we're in the scripture four times a week, it literally spikes off the chart. Alcoholism drops fifty-seven percent. Feeling spiritually stagnant. You know, if there was one area when I'm talking with people that that they'll be honest about is they just feel spiritually stagnant. Ask them the question: How much time you spend in Scripture? If they're in the Scripture four times a week or more, it drops sixty percent. Wow. Viewing pornography drops sixty-one percent. That's very important. Now on a positive side sharing your faith wow. jumps 200 percent wow because you have a confidence in god's word and then discipling others jumps 230 percent that's that's amazing right there
0: now i show you that video but for those of you who are in the word and reading the word more than four times a week do you know that you comprehend, I mean, the idea that when you're in the Word, you know you're more effective. And Paul is trying to get that across in verse, you don't conform to this world, but be transformed. And the way you're transformed is by the renewal of your mind, by the Word of God. And so he goes on in verse 3, and where we're going to start today, and he says this, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so for the grace given to me, I say to everyone, not to think of yourself more highly than you're ought. And just to kind of take us back to where we've been, the Jews coming along, Jews thought they were the chosen people, right? And so as they looked at everybody else, they kind of looked down on other people. Um, And that was the Jews, and we look at them and go, they shouldn't do that. But how many of us ever think of ourselves more highly than we ought? Maybe when you look at other people that aren't coming, living to the standard that you want them to live to. Maybe it's, maybe you drive through by, you're going through the Safeway parking lot and you get frustrated. Uh, maybe it's who knows what it is, but there's all kinds of ways where we get to this place where we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And he says, but this is the way we're supposed to think of ourselves. He says, to think with sober judgment. Now, now sober judgment's that idea there is to be rigorously accurate, completely in touch with reality. And so this, this concept that you, that you know who you are. Sometimes, you ever been around people where they puff themselves up? <laughs> like, like, me, 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 I, 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 everything's about them. Or just maybe they think they're better than they are. Uh, and so he's saying that to think of yourself to be rigorously accurate, to know who you are, to have a concept. A lot of times we don't get that, and we, so we think we're better than we are. But I think it goes the other direction, too. And the idea that you have to, to have sober judgment, to, to be rigorously accurate about this, is that, that sometimes we think we're no good. Sometimes we've, we, we don't think we live up, and sometimes we think we're not all that and what he's trying to get across to you here is that you need to be rigorously accurate about how you think about yourself, that how you perceive yourself. And there's all, there's all kinds of money. If you go to a bookstore, go to Amazon, there's all kinds of money spent on, on this kind of stuff to try to feel self-help, and this is what you need to do. If you just do this, you'll think better about yourself. Or, or it, it, there's all kinds of stuff written about this stuff. And what he's saying, Paul's trying to get across to us. He says to think of yourself with sober judgment. To be accurate with who you are. To be completely in touch with that. And then he he goes on. I'm going to get to Philippians in a second. But he goes on and he says, um, he says, but to think to each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now that word measure means meter. And a lot of times when we read that, we think about the amount of faith. And so the amount of faith that's been assigned and we think that's kind of the mindset that we get that, well, I just don't have as much faith because, you know, this guy has a lot of faith. I just don't have as much faith as him. So it has not as much as been assigned to me. And so I can't do what he does because he has more faith than I do. And that's not what they're saying here at all. He's talking about the standard of faith. And the standard of faith is, is, is this, is Christ. That in Christ, he's, he's getting to this point. He, he's coming, he says, each according to the measure of faith, to the standard of faith that God assigned. And what did God assign? The standard of faith is Christ. That Christ himself is crucified. That he went to the cross and he died for each and every one of us. And that is our standard of faith. And when you can comprehend that and you understand that it doesn't matter who you are, every single one of us is in Christ. Whether you were born with a silver spoon or a gold spoon or whether you weren't born with that, whether you have money or no money, whether you have gifts or whether you have no gifts, whether what it doesn't matter what you have, what you do have is a standard of faith, which is Christ. And what he's trying to get across to us is think of yourself with sober judgment, be rigorously accurate about who you are because it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do have is you do have Christ. And in Christ, we are all brothers and sisters, and it doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. We are all equal in that. And because he's given it to us equally in that, that we each have Christ, that God loves us so much that he gave us his son. And so we we all are saved by someone else's kindness, and we have that, regardless of your background, regardless of your ability. Now, he tries to give us a concept of this and gives us an idea of, This whole thing, if you turn over to Philippians chapter 2, you just kind of go towards the back of the book a few pages. I always get Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, anybody get those mixed up? I was taught like when I was younger, God eats popcorn, Galatians, God, E, Ephesians. No one was taught that, just me. In Galatians chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 2, Paul is kind of going through the same concept. He says, complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. And he says, do do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in what? Humility, count others more significant than yourself. And then verse 4, it says, let each of you Look, not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of who? Others. And then he says, having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Then he's going to go on to try to explain to to you what this looks like, because he's not just asking you to have it. He's trying to show you this is what Jesus' mind was. He says, verse 6, he says, "...who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing." taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of God the Father. So he gets, the, Paul's coming to us and he says, you know what? When I ask you to, be, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, guess who already did it for you? Jesus has already done it. He could have. He's God. He didn't have to do that, but he did it. He didn't, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he gave of himself, so why? So that we can have Life. And so Paul's trying to, gra- trying to get us to understand this idea of obedience. That when we're obedient to God, this whole thing works out really, really well. When we're not obedient, it doesn't work out so well. And he goes on in verse 4. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though, I'm going to go to verse 5, so we though, many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so he's trying to get us to get this concept. Is it's like, you know what, we all are part of one body. We're all a part of this together. No one's more important than anybody else. We all are in it together. And for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Verse, so we, though are many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. And so we're connected with each other, and we need each other. I don't know, I watch a lot of basketball right now because I have two kids that play basketball. And it's sometimes incredibly frustrating when everybody on the court wants to be the shooter. No one wants to rebound. No one wants to box out. No one wants to, they just want to be the shooter. They want to be the scorer. You know how that works out for the team? Look at their record. It's, It's not very good when people, everybody wants the same function. I went to see during Christmas time I went to see this movie that I never thought I would want to see but Jumanji you see this and I can't I think it was like the third of <laughs> the Jumanji 3 which I didn't see one but I saw two and it was funny because I think Kevin whatever his name is Kevin Hart and uh, The Rock are they do they have they have good chemistry together so the first, I saw that one whatever that one was called but then this this last one and I was sitting there watching this thing, and it's not quite as good as the second one, um, but it still was clever. And basically, it's, if you've never seen Jumanji, it's these, these kids get sucked into this game, and so they be, the whole movie's about them being the game. <clears throat> and they have a goal in mind. They're trying, to re, <clears throat> they're trying to recover this jewel so that they can save the land from evil people. But each person that's in the game has a different gift. Or, or or strength in the movie, they call it, and a weakness. And so at least in two, this last one, they, they had weaknesses also. But as you read some of these strengths, you like the guy, they have, they have, some of them are like really, they can beat anybody. They can, they can overpower anybody. And then someone else is like a zoologist. And they can talk to animals. And they have all these different, you're like, you don't know what all the gifts are going to come, but when, as you watch the movie and as it plays on, all these gifts come into play. That at some point, animals are going to attack, but all of a sudden the zoologist is able to talk to, to animals and figure out, oh, what they need is this. And it's stupid, right? But at the end of the day, I'm watching it thinking, wow, this is really kind of what Paul's getting at here. Because in Christianity, we all have a goal, and that they're trying to get the jewel to save the land from the <laughs> evil people. For us, we want people to know about Jesus Christ so that they might have eternal life. And each one of us it plays a role in that. Each one of us has a different gift that, that, that we play in that. And the problem is, is that when we get into this, everybody sometimes wants to be the shooter. No one wants to rebound. No one wants to box out. And we have these issues in the church because their gift is better than my gift. And what he's trying to get across to us is, is like, you know what, this is the deal. That present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him, and when you can grasp that and wrap your head around that, and don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, because the standard of faith is who? Jesus. And so when you have Jesus as your, like, cheese head and put it on and you understand exactly how you're supposed to be thinking, then it changes the reality of how this thing is played out. Because when you understand that he is the goal, and he, when he is like the, the model child, which, yeah, that's perfect, the model child, Because he's already done everything he's asking you to do. And so he's saying to us, as you live this thing out, as you live it out, have this in mind that we're all working towards this same goal so that everybody might know him. And every single one of you play a role in this. And every single person has a gift. And so going back to verse 4, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same functions. So we, though many are one body and individually members of one another, then verse 6 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, what's he tell us to do with them? He said, let us use them. And then he goes on and gives a whole list of things, and he says, if it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, and what he's talking about there, in proportion to our faith, it goes back to that same idea in standard of our faith. That Christ, that, that you would not preach a false doctrine. So if you have a gift of prophecy, preach it correctly. If service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And he, that's not an exhaustive list. That's not all there is. But he's, what he's trying to do is give you this broad stroke of going, well, I don't care what your gift is. I don't care what you do. But if you're doing it, doing it as you do, as you would to the Lord. That you live your life with that in mind. That you live in mind that this is, this is what you're about. And your goal is this. Your ultimate goal is so that people might know the love of Christ. And that's the way we're supposed to live our lives, and that's the goal. <laughs> and I think what happens to most of us is we get so caught up in the day in and day out and the problems with, we have with each other. And, it, and it's really spelled out. If you, if you turn over to 1 Corinthians, he spells this out really well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he talks, he's talking about the exact same thing. I'm going to start at verse 12. And he says, so First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ.'" For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. And then verse fourteen: For one body, for the body does not consist of one member, but of how many? Many. If the foot should say, "Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body," that would not make him any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, "Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body," that would not make it any less part of the body. So if the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, uh, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet how many bodies? One. The eye can, in Verse 21 says, I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. "...nor again the hand of the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that, are, that we think to be honorable we bestow the greater honor, and our, unpresent, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater mo- modesty. Which or more presentable parts do we require? But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but the members may have the same care for one another. And so in the body, we, we kind of get messed up sometimes. And what he's trying to say to each and every one is every single one of you, every single one of us has need. And every one of us, if you if you're belong to Christ, guess what you are? You're part of the body. And every single part of your body has need and has purpose. That is true, and so the thing that we got to comprehend is that we're needed. So, if you on one side you can't think you're more important, but on the other side you can't say I don't have any gifts. I I'm not usable. I can't because every single person is needed. You know this. This last week we were I don't know last Sunday if you were sitting here. One of our members, Lawrence Blakely, was sitting right here, and he was kind of struggling a little bit, and Lawrence has been kind of having some issues, and so after service Don uh, Jordan took him to the hospital, and they took him over to River Bend, and this past week, uh, Lawrence Blakely passed away, and it was, but the thing I was thinking as I was going, preparing for this, I was thinking of the parts of the body, and the gifts that we have, and how we're supposed to use how we're supposed to use them. But, and I was thinking about Lawrence Blakely and just his whole process of coming here to Florence Christian Church. Is that I remember him showing up to Florence um, for grief share because his wife passed away, and he was kind of distraught and having. And so he sat in grief share week after week with Steve Fonda, and when that somewhere in the process of that, I don't remember all the details that Steve <clears throat> ended up baptizing him. And it was from that process, that, from there, that I know Lawrence decided that he wanted to be, he wanted to start sharing this with people. And so he started going to some of these, I don't know, I can't remember all the places he went, I just remember him coming and going, hey Mike, I'm going to go, on, I'm going to do a Bible study here, and what do you think? And I'm like, great. And he comes back, and he goes, I got that one going, I went to a new place, and I want to get another one going. And he just kind of wanted to get more Bible studies going, because he wanted everybody to know and this guy just continually kind of had an effect on the people that are around him. I got the text. I was sitting in some people's house or in their in their living room. And I'm like, oh, man. And I shared <laughs> that he had passed. And one of the guys that I was sitting with got emotional. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know <laughs> either the effects and the impacts. But there was an overcoming of emotion. And then it was this sharing with me that he goes, yeah, he wanted to get together with me and talk to me about fatherhood. And I was like, this guy's making an impact. And I started thinking about myself, and these last two years, sometimes it's been hard, and I've been in the lobby by myself, or he's school past me, and he stopped, and he just kind of gave me this overwhelming exhortation of leading in church, and thank you for what you're doing, and thinking in this moment, he's, he ministered to me. Uh, That Thursday when I was, uh, I think it was Thursday that it all happened. I can't remember the day, but my son, oldest son, became affected by it. And then my daughter was home, and she came. She's like, what? Lawrence died? I'm like, how does he have effect on you? I mean, how is this happening? But she, he used to come to our classroom, and he read to us. And then I was sitting in the office and talking to Carol, and she's like, "Yeah, Don's going to come by. He's having a hard day." And I'm like, "He impacted Don that way too." And, and and I'm sitting there, and Don Hogue is sitting in the office, and we're talking about it. He goes, "Yeah, he was, he was my neighbor." I'm like what? He says, yeah, he lived, like his house backed up to mine. And when his wife, we used to do stuff together with them, or we used to talk, and he says, we get together. And he says, and then when she passed, he was having a hard time. So I told him to call the church, and then there was a disconnection. We didn't get connected. So he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll bring you. I'll take you. And that's kind of how he got here to church. And I'm thinking about this and thinking about this text and how the body works together. We're one, and everybody's kind of functioning together and working together and thinking about how we have impact on other people. Because here's a guy that can't really get around that well, but yet he's impacting everybody that he comes across. So much so that I see a flag here this morning, and I believe this flag is for Lawrence, because Lawrence was part of the VFW and American Legion, that, he, that someone brought it in just to represent him here today. And you think about impact, and it's not so much, um, it, it was all in his connection, <laughs> to his Savior, that he so badly wanted to love everybody around him, and I wanted everybody to hear the message. You know, as I, as I, so as I read this, to think of yourself as sober, judgment. this guy was incredibly talented. I mean, if you, I know that as I talk to people, they're like, oh my gosh, his calligraphy was amazing. And then, and then they did something with the paper in Chicago, and he just like, had all these things, like, so many different things going on, but he was so in touch with who he was and he was in touch that he had a Savior. You know, as we live life, and you think you're getting to the end, and maybe you're, you may, I mean, here he is in, the, in a part of his life where it was distraught. If you spent any time with him, you knew he missed the heck out of his wife. But yet he continued to, to serve and continued to live this out. And I, and I guess for me, and for you, to give it to you, <laughs> to the encouragement. that we have Christ as an example, but here's a guy right here that, I, I know he touched you all, a lot of you and the idea is that we, each one of us, Christ what Christ wants us to be. He wants us to, to think of ourselves in a sober judgment, to have the measure of faith, that he is the standard, and that's what we live to. There you go. That's it. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word. And this message isn't about Lawrence Blakesley. it's about you, Jesus, but it's the impact that you have on others, the impact that you have and what you've done. So Jesus, you came and you impacted Paul like no other. And Paul decided he was called and dedicated his life to serving you. And because of what he, a lot of the work he did, books were written. And we stand here today and sit here today knowing you. But Lord, I, I, I thank you for the example of Lawrence. But Lord, I pray for each and every single one of us. Lord, that we would not that we would know that we are gifted by you, that we would know that you have a desire for us to be obedient to you and that other people around may know you because of the way we love each other. And we know that very clearly from Scripture, from John, where it says they'll know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. And so Paul, starting out here in chapter 12, wanting us desperately to understand that, that we're all one, that we're all connected in you, Jesus. And we thank you for, for that. And I pray, Lord, that you, we, would, we would know that you want to use us, that we would look for opportunities wherever we're at, whether we're, whether we're shopping, in the grocery store, whether we're driving, no matter where it is, you want to use us. And so, Father, I just ask that you would help us to comprehend that and grasp that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.